are live. Okay, hello, my name is Josh Essery. I'm a technology facilitator at South Belt Middle School in Belton, Texas. Today, our episode that we're going to be talking about is uh, the one-to-one -one environment. Since we are a one-to-one -one district, one-to-one -one school, uh, we're going to get input for those people that may have never done that before or are in the same shoes and want to know if the same thing's going on or if we're going to start with intros. Hi, I'm Sharon O'Leary. <laughs> I teach seventh grade Texas history. Hi, I'm Dorinda Grimm, and I teach sixth grade ELA. Hi, I'm Kelly Homan, and I teach sixth grade math. Uh, first question that we have is, what, what do you see as advantages to a one-to-one -one environment? They're uh, more diverse learning. So when the students are able to research um, an inquiry-based idea, um, they aren't stuck having to collaborate with somebody and decide to, uh, you know, come up with one thing to look at. They can actually go learn about what they want to learn about. Um, something similar. I like that um, I can push out videos to them so they can recheck or go over things if they don't understand it. I've also taught them how to find videos and things that can help them at home on Google or whatever and the fact that I can also push out the notes that we've actually taken in class to them. I like the instant feedback of it, um, the different ways that we have to create quizzes and that kind of thing where it automatically sends um, a grade they see instantly, what they got wrong, what they got right, what they know. Um, it allows me to see what we need to revisit in the next day or two we get to kind of encourage the independent learner, uh, self-sufficient learner. Um, you know, you have the tools, you don't need me to repeat it 20 times to you anymore. Is that, have you all ever been at that point yet? Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, if they don't, you know, turn in work or they'll say, I didn't know we had homework, then there's a checklist. Well, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you check this? Did you check this? And then they're kind of like, oh, I'm caught. I also like the aspect of kids being able to share stuff back and forth like as a Google Doc because when you're doing those collaborative projects you always run into the person that was responsible for holding on to stuff is absent but if they've shared it in their group then um, they can continue work even if one person is absent. Uh, going back to talking about the independence of being able to you know take a quiz, quiz is is fantastic with that, um, and of course, Socrative, uh, Socrative, however you say it. Um, that's another really good one to do quizzes with. Uh, in order for these advantages to be experienced in uh, somebody that's adopting a one-to-one -one for the first time, uh, what are some important considerations or thoughts that people need to be aware of before they start launching a one-to-one -to, -one to get these advantages? Definitely your room setup, your technology app use, whether or not they know how to use it, whether or not it's going to work that day, and then, you know, just uh, Wi-Fi, is it available, is it working, you know, your basics. I think, I think what, you're, what you almost said, always having a backup. Technology is not as reliable as we hope it is. Yeah, I, I, I think patience is the best. 
if you think it's going to come in and solve all your problems and, and make all the children work and be perfect, it's not. It's going to help. Um, but you have to be really flexible because just because it worked first, second, and third period doesn't mean it's going to work for fourth. Or you might have three kids it's not working for. So you just have to really be able to think on your feet. Yes, be very flexible. That was exactly what I was going to say is the flexibility and um, just the backup plan. Always have a plan B because you can have the greatest lesson in the world planned, but when the Wi-Fi goes down or something crazy happens, then you're kind of stuck. I, it, it feels like the Stone Age sometimes when the Wi-Fi goes out. I don't know about you all. Definitely. When you have, I mean, we don't yeah. have books or anything, and our kids are so used to looking at the iPad and looking at the screen that they're not like the children we saw five years ago or you know even 60 years ago before we opened the school. Uh, you know, then when we first started learning how to use this, the kids were flexible because they could go back and forth between the two. Well, five years down the line, I don't have a book for them. And so if the Wi-Fi goes down or Apollo goes down or something, it's almost like going to Stone Age because they never have had to do that in my class. So flexibility on both parts is I'm sorry, some of the kids panic over that. So mm -hmm. you have to know which students those are and be prepared to you know, talk to them and get them calmed down first and then you know, move into whatever it is you need to do next. And that's and that's a good point, Sharon, because that's something that I never really considered. Uh, I'd overthink about the stress level from the students' point. I think yes, this will be fun for the students, or this will be exciting. I think the positives, but I don't ever think the emotional stress that it can put on it. Yeah, they need they need consistency and everything. Dorinda, did you have anything? Felt like yeah. we kind of. Well, I was going to say, I know that we talked about um, the stress level it causes for students, but I think teachers, too, even though you may feel very stressed and kind of out of control when things don't work, I think that you have to maintain that calmness because the kids pick up what we're feeling, and I think you just kind of have to keep that roll with the flow kind of attitude. Everybody always thinks of the great things that one-to-one -one can do, but what, what are the things that we may not think about, the disadvantages to a one-to-one -one or a hurdle or something that you're going to have to jump over? I think we need to be very, very careful in thinking it's all or nothing. Especially when you take a subject like math, we need to be able to go back and forth. I think sometimes we get trapped in the, they got to use the iPad, they got to use the iPad, they got to use the iPad. When you say back and forth, you mean back and forth from we're doing technology one to one, and today we have to we have to go back to pencil and paper. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at like um, they had a lot of difficulty with the data. Um, charts and all, they, in one aspect it's really neat because they can pinch the screen big and really get to the fine points of the data, but at the same time every time they pinch it big and bring it back down, sometimes they lose what they're doing and, and some of them get frustrated. Uh, geometry is another one where it's real hard for them to do it and when we did coordinate graphs, I mean a lot of kids are like, can I just have paper, would you please just give me paper? And so I think we need to remember that yes, in the real perfect world it would be everybody brought an iPad charged and was ready to go and this would be really easy to do. I think really still we need to be able to go back, back and forth.
I think that sometimes with sixth graders coming in, it's um, they they like it, but they don't necessarily see it as a, as part of their school supplies or an educational tool. They um, they think that it's theirs and they can do whatever they want to on it. And sometimes um, they don't they don't understand it's a school tool. It's something that we use to enhance their education. And as we get later in the year, they get tired of it. It's and they just don't want to get it out, and they don't want to use it, and they don't want to charge it. Yeah, I think that's a consideration because uh, if you're going to let them take them home, we don't want them charging them in the classroom. But I think that's that's not the correct approach. I think they need to charge them if it's dead. Then let's not encourage them to bring it dead and not use it. So I think having some kind of system to charge them at school is a consideration to make if you're going to be doing that. Right. Right. Cords, though. <laughs> <laughs> Longer charging cords. There's, there's, you know, <laughs> so they can keep working. Well, and I have a designated charging spot in my classroom, but if they don't bring their charger, then I don't have anything to offer them because I'm terrified they're going to leave with my charger, <laughs> and then I have nothing to charge my device with. True story. True story. <laughs> Sharon, you've been quiet. Are you, are you staying out of everybody's way, or are you quiet on purpose? No, just staying out of everybody's way. Um, you know, you have the other uh, side of that too, the lost or stolen iPads. I don't know why anyone would want to steal someone's iPad when they have one their own, but that is how the students will tell you. Um, and then we on this campus luck, are lucky enough to have backup iPads, loaners for the day. Uh, you have to have a backup plan. And unfortunately for me, that often looks like my lesson is more of a substitution lesson than it is a higher lesson on the scale of SAMR you know, so that I can have paper copies available for students who don't have theirs for whatever reason. You know, when we first came into this, it was, you know, we had one lesson each day. It was the iPad and it was going to be perfect and everything was going to be great and then something would happen and you didn't have a backup plan. So then we went through the, okay, so you'll have two lessons every day. So we, I think we've kind of merged together and figured it out that, you know, sometimes the kids are going to have to share and sometimes they're going to have to do it on pencil, with pencil and paper. So last question, uh, what, are, what is something with technology, not necessarily a one-to-one -one iPad device thing, but a piece of technology that you just love to use in your class, it saves your rear end every day, your kids love it. Email. Email saves me all the time. I know that's not an app, um, <laughs> but when the kids can't get through Homeroom or things are not working the way they're supposed to with Google or it's like resort back to just email it to me and everything can be emailed and it's so easy. Just drop it into a folder, you know, in my email um, and it's a done deal. I've got, I have students work. One thing that I like to use a lot is the keynote slides, um, especially for summarizing. Uh, subsection, breaking it off in, around the room. Each kid creates one slide with a summary, subtitle, and a picture, and then the next day or that evening I'll put it all together in order, of mm -hmm. course, yeah. and then the next day the students teach that section um, using their summary skills. Of course I do that over chapters that are very easy, and yes, I still have a book. It is, um, I believe the copyright date is 2000, <laughs> but luckily I teach history, so that's not a real issue. <laughs> you know, I, I really love your comment about email. You you almost looked like you were embarrassed to say it, but I, but I love the comment because 
um, so many people, especially in the ed tech field, we feel like we have to be using the next best thing, the next best thing, and we have to be using something that's new and fancier. And we don't have to, you know. I mean, email. I mean, it, it gets better because they figure out ways to store more in it and it gets faster and you can populate lists better. So, I mean, it has, has functionality improvements and I don't think we need to shy away from things that work for us and that work every day. Um, for me, I like using um, GoodNotes. This year, like, I really figured it out and how to get um, those crazy long reading passages and questions and things like that in there, but it works just like they have the paper on their desk because they can flip through the pages, they can mark on it like I need for them to mark on it, and then um, they can turn it into me, and it's fantastic because I'm not taking ginormous stacks of papers home. I just have to take my iPad home to grade their, their work when they submit it then back to homeroom. So I, I mean, I've liked using the combination between homeroom pushing the work out to them, and then good notes uh, for them to do the work in and return it to me. I actually like this year the Apollo Good Notes combination. My kids still keep a notebook, a paper notebook, but when there's a lot for them to write, they keep a Good Notes thing, and so I push that what I need, let's say a PowerPoint that I'm going to use for notes in class, I push that out through Homeroom and they pick it up and take it into GoodNotes and then I'm running the exact same notes on Apollo so they can copy down what we're, what we're doing, they can go back to Apollo if they fall behind or if they want to restudy it later, but they also have it in their iPad and since it's not web-based, the chances of them losing it or deleting them are a lot less and they can look at the good notes at any time. So the, the two together, I like the combination of. Great. All right, um, update. Uh, we have three more people watching that you know. Uh, Mr. Rivera upstairs is watching. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, Kathy Silvis and April Moss over Yay! at <laughs> Hello! <laughs> At least they at least they were watching. They I hope they didn't. I know, I know. <laughs> all right. Well, that wraps up our questions. Um, thank you all for participating today. Hope I didn't scare you all off. And if you all have any suggestions, uh, please uh, let me know. Um, if you have any other topics, and anybody that evidently watched us today, if you would like to uh, uh, send in suggestions as well, uh, you can reach me at uh, joshua.essary at bisd.net. All right, uh, thanks again. Y'all can all wave bye, and we'll uh, see y'all later.